You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Radio Live. We are now going into our segment on Straight Talk uh, with myself, Father Randall Kazel. I encourage you to call in here if you have any questions about our faith or some question about whatever it might be. Of course, if I can help with the answer, I will. If I don't know the answer, uh, I will either look it up or I'll just have to acknowledge, I don't know. Uh, But I certainly would love to be able to talk with any of our listeners in our listening area or listening through our website, uh, realpresenceradio.com. Remember, also, if you go to the website, realpresenceradio.com, you can submit prayer intentions and requests. Uh, We especially want to pray for those today that are experiencing any grave illnesses, uh, those who are in the hospital, those who care for them. We also pray for those who are experiencing any adversities, any trials or difficulties that leave them wondering uh, or in doubt about anything of the present or the future. Uh, We commend all those who are most in need of God's mercy to the mercy of our Lord, that he may give peace and consolation. So feel free to call in 877-795-0122, or you can submit your question via Facebook. Again, that's 877-795-0122. So a few things about uh, what's happening here most recently in the life of the church. We had yesterday uh, throughout the church, we had the Feast of Christ the King, Christ the King of the Universe, and what a glorious feast that was. I know here at St. Michael uh, and at St. Paul in Zambroda, uh, where I serve as well as pastor, we celebrated this feast, and uh, we had uh, special vestments. Uh, We also celebrated with solemnity and gave glory to our Lord, uh, who is the King of all. And and at the heart of this, uh, the Church teaches our Lord is the King of love. Uh, and his love is the also his authority because love is going to conquer all things. In the end of all things uh, that he has shared himself, poured himself out on the cross to claim his kingdom. And the, his kingdom is right within our hearts and it's right at our will. Uh, so I encourage our faithful, give your will to the Lord that his kingdom may reign within you. And at times when we when we choose to do this, then we give our, our, our will to our Lord. And we, we have to think of this, that our Lord then continues to progressively move to possess our inner thoughts, our desires, our feelings, our thinking, our will. Ultimately, he wants to possess our will because it is in the will that we can act freely and make acts of love for God. It is in the will where the love that Christ has poured out to us through the sacraments and in the Holy Spirit can be made fruitful. That fruitfulness is giving us the power in his love to love him back. So believing in his goodness, believing in his grace and his providential care and love and receiving that beginning in faith and choosing to love him back gives the soul and the person great dignity uh, and great glory in the love of God. So even the smallest act of love for God, for God's sake, is powerful and precious in the sight of God. And those we can do even in, in the interiority of our hearts. So to love the love for Christ, the King of love, is a beautiful devotion. Uh, but we must understand that as we do this, there, there are those who, who choose not to love God. Sometimes because of ignorance, uh, they don't know who Jesus really is. They, they think they know, but they have not really experienced him, and they, they, they don't want 
uh, in their perception of God who seems to them be uh, mean or vindictive. And that's, of course, not who God is. That's actually how the devil is. Uh, but the, uh, the good Lord is not mean or vindictive. So we, we, we struggle at times to urge uh, one another and to urge all to have the true understanding of God, the true revelation of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the true knowledge of the heart of Jesus, that he is goodness, he is mercy, uh, but he, he pours out his love and he leaves it a free will decision to receive him uh, beginning in faith and then returning the grace of love and hoping in him. So that you know, when speaking of sometimes there is a conflict. I recently here this last Friday had an experience of of a, a kind of, in a sense, a kind of conflict. It was not an outward conflict. That I, as I reflected on it later, it was a, really a spiritual conflict. So I'll give you a little context. I, many Fridays I go to the Planned Parenthood in St. Paul, Minnesota, and I pray at three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm there with a group of other faithful who come uh, regularly and. We pray the Rosary and Divine Mercy Chaplet. Uh, most of the times it's rather peaceful in the Divine Mercy Hour, but sometimes we have uh, someone or some group of people that will come and, and give us some difficulty. And, and so that's what happened this last Friday. There was a, a fellow that showed up. Uh, he clearly believed uh, in, in our experience that abortion should be legal or should be uh, able to be practiced. And when we started the rosary and started our prayers, uh, this fellow began to chant slogans uh, that would be what we'd call pro-choice. And some of them were, were not very good, uh, I'll put it lightly that way, but they, they were disturbing. Uh, so, but we were convicted to pray and continue our mission. The mission for us was to pray. And a bit like the gospel we had uh, this weekend uh, when Jesus before Pilate uh, that Jesus acknowledged. He came into the world to give witness to the truth. And that's, I've always felt presence at the abortion clinics has been uh, to be peaceful, uh, to be one of prayer, to be one calling upon God's grace for everyone involved, and that our Lord may give the triumph of his love, because that is the power that changes hearts. And it is the power that will and has and uh, does change the world because it changes hearts. And so we prayed for this fellow, but nonetheless, this struggle was taking place because in his mind, in his thoughts, and then in his will, through what he was saying and his actions of his body, uh, he uh, was telling us that he was opposed to this idea of standing for the dignity of every human person, and in this case, especially the unborn, and doing so vehemently, and in the face of even mocking us for praying the rosary, for saying the Hail Marys repeatedly, uh, and, and, uh, and it was an interesting thing. We persevered. We kept praying. Uh, we ended up praying a little louder as the time went on. Uh, but eventually, when we got into the Divine Mercy Chaplet and we uh, consciously included him in our Lord's mercy, uh, that led for him to stop and, and he no longer uh, was yelling and eventually then left. Uh, but as I reflected on that, that was an experience of, um, of the, the spiritual conflict that we see being played out in society, the spiritual conflict that is going on around the world, the, the contrary ideas, and those who adhere in faith to God, and those who adhere uh, in their mind and heart to ideas contrary to God, um, uh, uh, and then acting in the will. Uh, so we ought to ex understand that it, when we follow God, we will experience opposition. 
but our, our goal is to witness to truth with love. And there was no outward confrontation. There was no interaction with this fellow on a, on a human level. It was all in a spiritual way. And afterward, the group of us talked for a bit, and we said, yeah, I, I, I admitted, Father Kazel, I admitted, we're, I was praying to St. Michael. I said, St. Michael, help us out here. Give us defense. Uh, we don't want any trouble any worse than what it is. And others were asking the Blessed Mother to pray for him, to give peace. Uh, and that just he, he was showered with a number of prayers, uh, but, the, but it was an exercise in feeling some pressure. So we turned to Christ the King and asked that his love may give uh, the triumph for that. And where is that happening with you? Where are you called to give witness to Jesus and Christ the King in that way, uh, in that spiritual victory? And the, the first victory has to be in our own hearts that we're given over to him. And I see we have a question that's come in. Thank you. Uh, from an anonymous person from Williston. And the question is, is why does a priest use a big host during Mass? Uh, that is a great question. Uh, and I think my, my forthright answer is it's, it's rather pragmatic. It is, it is that because of the distance between the priest and the people, uh, there's a point right after the consecration, the priest is to elevate the host, and the, the missile says to show the host to the people in an elevation of adoration. And it's not only to, to show the host to the people, but that is a, an, an offering, a particular prayer offering at that particular moment of the elevation to God the Father. Uh, so, that, reminder, there's only one priesthood, and that is Jesus Christ. He is the high priest, and there's one priest priesthood, and he shares his priesthood with the ordained priests uh, serving in the church. So, we have a share of the priesthood of the one priest, Jesus Christ, the high priest. So, what the priest does there in action, concrete action, he shows the, 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 the consecrated host before God the Father and to all the people uh, faithful there gathered to make an act of adoration. So practically, uh, it is better to have a host that people can physically see when that happens, so that there is the host going, uh, being elevated before the, God the Father, to whom the, the Eucharistic prayer is addressed uh, in, in and through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, making the, the change we know is transubstantiation. And, and so the larger host is more conducive to being able to see and understand that that is what is happening, especially if people are there from a distance. And secondly, uh, I want to say that it is possible to use a smaller host, so that a priest is not obligated to use uh, only the large host, but it is common practice to use a larger host uh, at the consecration. Uh, but there's nothing that says a priest must use a large host, uh, just a small host, as long as it's, of course, of the proper matter, uh, that it's only made from uh, wheat flour and water has been the only contents used for uh, that host. So, great question uh, for that. And I would say I've used a small host at times, uh, particularly maybe I was traveling or, um, or maybe by necessity because perhaps there was a, a forgetfulness or a failure to order uh, more of the big hosts. And one realizes going to set up for Holy Mass, like, oh, all they have are the small hosts. So, well, then uh, Mass is to go on, so you, you use a small host then if you're the priest in that situation. Um, but that was a great question. Uh, again, if you have any questions, you want to call in, the number is 877-795-0122. 877-795-0122. Or you can get or submit your question uh, via Facebook and be glad to answer your questions. Oftentimes, uh, uh, people have questions about uh, things with the Holy Mass, and one question has just come in about the Holy Mass. Uh, 
here is a, another anonymous. Um, why do some people make the sign of the cross just after uh, the beginning of the Mass? Um, and maybe it's uh, as part of a reference to the Latin Mass, perhaps. Uh, but the, the main idea here is making the sign of the cross uh, just after the beginning of the Holy Mass or at the beginning. It is following the uh, actions of the priest. So uh, whether it's the Novus Ordo Mass or the Latin Mass, I do familiar with both of the rituals. Both There's one one form there, but they, they both begin with the sign of the cross, and so the, the beginning when the priest begins in the Novus Ordo, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen, and then there is that custom that people will make the sign of the cross at the same time. The sign of the cross is a, the, our claim to our salvation, because it was on the cross that our salvation was won uh, by our Savior and through his sacred humanity uh, who willed to die on the cross so that we could be saved when we come to faith in him and repent from our sins, uh, that the power there was wrought and uh, won by Jesus when he asked the Father, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So the cross is at the heart of our spirituality in so many ways. It informs the meaning of suffering. It informs the meaning of spiritual victories over evil spirits and temptations. It informs the meaning of our wondering uh, and future, that we're going to have victory through the cross. It informs us when we are afraid and we need courage that our Lord has won the victory and it gives us peace, uh, relieving us of uh, undue anxiety. In the Latin Mass, uh, the, the priest begins the Mass uh, with the prayers at the foot of the altar, and then ascending the altar, uh, will go to the Missal on the right side of the altar, and will begin with what's called the, the Intruit, and at that time, then the priest makes the sign of the cross. And if perhaps the faithful might see that, I know the assisting server uh, will make the sign of the cross at the same time, will, will mirror the actions of the priest. So that might be what one is referring to uh, when making the sign of the cross just after the beginning of the Mass. Um, otherwise, if, if someone is doing it, uh, it also, uh, if you're looking around, perhaps you notice someone in the congregation, after the beginning of the Mass, they might make the sign of the cross. It might be part of a personal devotion. Uh, it might be part of a personal action of, of a prayer. Um, there, sometimes I see, or, well, I'm don't see that all that much when I'm saying the Latin Mass because I'm focused uh, to the front. Uh, but nonetheless, that uh, if someone is doing, uh, having the, the sign of the cross at a time other than right at the beginning, uh, I would suggest it's probably a personal devotion right at that time. But nonetheless, I encourage people to make the sign of the cross at any time of the day. Uh, you're experiencing temptations? Make the sign of the cross. Uh, call upon the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the, the triumph of the cross, and the precious blood of Jesus. I assure you from my own experience, and from the testimony of many saints, uh, it, it is truly very powerful that we invoke the Holy Cross and ask for the power of Jesus to give victories. And many times in actions in families, or at work, uh, or in times of questions, or decision-making, it can give clarity to the mind as a fruit of that devotion, because the, the devotion is directed toward the Holy Trinity, and the action of the Trinity uh, in, in the moment of salvation that our Lord won for us. Because when, when our Lord says, Father, forgive them, uh, for they know not what they do on the cross before he expires, he's, he's speaking to the Father through his sacred humanity. He said those words out loud, we know from Scripture. And it is the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the love between the Father and the Son, uh, that is giving the power and the expression of that. And we know when our Lord shed his blood, and his blood, blood spilt 
uh, uh, to the ground uh, that our Lord was uh, giving his spirit in his precious blood, that he was pouring forth his life. And that most uh, poignantly was expressed by our Lord uh, just after his death, and his side was pierced, and there came out uh, all the drops, the shedding of his blood and the water from his side, a, a, a sign, but also truly the outpouring of his spirit, the outpouring of his love uh, upon upon the uh, the world and and that was practically fulfilled at Pentecost, uh, but it was begun there at the foot of the cross and there's a there is a, a tradition that that soldier who pierced our lord 's side was converted uh, in the action of that moment uh, that he came to believe in the divinity of Jesus that truly this is the Son of God. And so the, the, the sign of the cross is very powerful. I, I encourage people to invoke the triumph of the cross as they say to the sign of the cross. And one of the challenges I admit we, we all have, and I, I would put myself in the ca- same category, is we can, we can let the sign of the cross be uh, routine or habitual without a lot of thought. It's a challenge that we will have thoughtfulness when we make the sign of the cross, including when we begin the Holy Mass, when we end the Holy Mass, which is the, the most powerful prayer in which we participate, uh, that, and that we have that power uh, as part of our thoughtfulness, that this is a real invocation of the one victory on the cross of Jesus Christ. Uh, one other point on the sign of the cross, too, and we recall when we come into the churches, we may dip our finger in the holy water and make the sign of the cross. That is a beautiful time to remember not only the victory of the cross, but the sacramental of the holy water, the power of the blessing of on the holy water, the exorcism and the blessing of the water. Uh, that was one uh, on the cross, uh, that that blessing was from our Lord's blessing of love that he showed forth through his sacred humanity as he suffered and then died on the cross. So it's a great question. I can go on a long time about the sign of the cross and why people might do that. Uh, but the key is, is that uh, each one of us, when we do it and why we do it in the heartfelt investment uh, interiorly in participation, which is at the heart of the Holy Mass, that we, when we go to Mass uh, and, and to practice interior participation, that is the first and greatest decision when one goes to uh, attend at the Holy Mass, that one decides to interiorly be present to the action that's going on. Because as we all know, we can go to Mass or we can go to an activity of prayer and our minds and hearts can be elsewhere, and we can go through the words, uh, the challenge is, is to be present in the moment, be present knowing that we are at the, the foot of Calvary with our Blessed Mother and St. John the Apostle, with St. Mary Magdalene and others who are there. We're there to worship, we're there to love Him, and that we're present then also to eat of the uh, sacrificial lamb that we receive. We're present uh, in all the graces, the reading of Scripture and the hearing of the proclamation of the sermon, uh, that all those opportunities offer grace and movements of the Holy Spirit, and we receive those graces according to our disposition. So the more attentive we are and open to receive, well, the more that that actually will happen uh, in our spiritual experience. Uh, and if we let ourselves, our minds wander, however, uh, that can be uh, more difficult. One word of encouragement to parents with small children that you might say, well, that's almost impossible at times because you, the children are distracting. Well, I want to tell you and assure you uh, that being a parent is a great uh, blessing and that you, uh, before God, he will provide graces. Uh, do not let yourself be discouraged. So God has ways of overcoming practical difficulties you might experience in, in doing the, 
the rightful duty of caring for your children those moments during Mass, and even when there's difficulty, you have to step out, uh, to not be discouraged. Our Lord will provide the graces that you need to continue to flourish in your vocations. So sometimes we, we can get caught in thinking it has to be just a certain way, uh, but actually that, that God's ways are not our ways, and that he can make up for what might have been lacking in some way because you're faithfully giving yourself to your duty. You're doing so with love, that he, he will not let you down for following his will, caring for your family. Uh, so a lot of these things are about continuing to trust in the goodness of our Lord and how he will uh, win so many or will offer so many graces for us to, to participate in uh, according to his merciful love. Uh, one other thing about the sign of the cross that, we, that people don't often think of is in the spiritual battle, uh, that, that when someone is under a kind of duress or a temptation uh, or feeling some kind of oppression, the sign of the cross is very powerful. And to make the, the words of the cross very slowly, the sign of the cross to be done deliberately, uh, there's a custom of doing that according to the five wounds of Jesus, uh, to make one act of the sign of the cross uh, recognizing each wound, and that to recognize the wound uh, on his right hand, left hand, on his right foot, his left foot, and then the wound in his side. Uh, sometimes people add in the, the wounds that he received in, in other aspects of his body, including the crowning of thorns or his scourging, uh, and, and contemplate those wounds with the sign of the cross. Uh, and also, it may be the, the wound in the shoulder. There's a popular uh, devotion that some have that contemplating how Jesus' shoulder was tore open uh, when he carried the cross. And uh, that is a beautiful devotion, very powerful. Uh, but to, as one makes a sign of the cross, to think about this. And one of the keys on that is to console Jesus, to thank him that he willed to suffer so that we could merit his forgiveness and, and that we could receive it through faith in him and the conversion from our sins. Uh, indeed, the sign of the cross is very powerful. So, so many reasons why one might utilize that devotion. Very simple, one that anyone can do, even very quietly, uh, wherever one is at. And if anyone has any last questions, possibly, uh, 877-795-0122, or you can certainly go to the Facebook uh, we're nearing the end of this segment here in just a few minutes uh, regarding uh, the Real Presence call-in and straight talk. So if you have any questions, please do so. Uh, I began this uh, segment this hour by encouraging people to remember to take that time to pray. And the life of prayer, the life of prayer is essential for the graces that we all want and desire. In fact, St. Teresa of Avila was rather blunt about it. Uh, only those who pray are going to go to heaven. And so remember, what's very simply, what is prayer? It is simply talking to God. It is having a conversation with God and being in relationship with him. And that, that makes sense because those that are willing to talk to God and be in relationship with him, uh, they will inherit the kingdom. And it, it can be a challenge because we can go through our days uh, thinking about so many things, but not thinking about God. Uh, historically, the the habit of prayer has been nurtured through having religious symbols in one's home, a crucifix in various rooms. Uh, more recently, I encourage people to have a divine mercy picture, at least one, but perhaps maybe a few around the house. Uh, statues have served that purpose. They're reminders of the invisible world, reminders of heaven, and the purpose of why we have life in this world and the, the meaning of our faith. Uh, but there, but they, it, it is meant to lead to the interior heartfelt prayer that we come to know the light of Christ who is 
always so close to us, that our Lord is imminent. Uh, he is, his presence with each soul is one of love and one of goodness. And, and that, that presence is one of wanting to give love, wanting to pour forth love. Uh, our attentiveness to that, our belief in it, and openness to receive is what he so desires uh, in relationship with him. And that we will open our hearts to receive his love. Uh, and upon receiving, uh, the most natural act is going to be to love him back. Uh, the most natural act is going to be to thank him. So if you find yourself doing this in faith, and all of a sudden you, you're, you're prompting yourself to say, thank you, Lord. Uh, that is a direct experience with our Lord himself, that in the discernment of those things, it is, it is an experience with him in relationship. So I encourage you to continue to go deeply into prayer. Um, we have one question come in of Phil through Facebook. Uh, he writes, I believe an act of surrender to Jesus is a sign of humility. Could it be also an act of charity to ourselves as we unburden ourselves of control of our lives? Hey, Phil, that's a great question. Let me read that one more time. Phil wrote, I believe an act of surrender to Jesus is a sign of humility. Could it also be an act of charity to ourselves as we unburden ourselves of control of our lives? So first, I agree with you, Phil, that yes, an act of surrender is a sign of humility, or even one could say it's an act of humility, because what is an act of surrender? Or an act of surrender is like, uh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. You take care of everything. What that means is we acknowledge, it. it's also an act of faith, that we acknowledge the truth. Uh, God is in charge of everything. He is the almighty and all-powerful God. Uh, who can do all things. So we acknowledge that he is the beginning and the end of, of all things in creation, that he is the creator and redeemer. So when we say, Lord, your will, your supreme will be done and not mine, like Jesus said in the garden, and then we're being humble. We're acknowledging one's own finite nature, one's finite will, or the truth of being unable and helpless to control so much in this world. And so humility is living in and acknowledging truth. So yes, an act of surrender acknowledges the truth of God and the Godhead and his power. And it is an act of charity to ourselves because we know in our Lord's command, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And well, how do we love ourselves? Well, we love ourselves when we sincerely practice our faith, when we live in reality the truth. And so it is that a true act of love of self even, not that we ought to have that as our primary motive uh, for how we do these things. Our primary motive ought to be for love of God himself, that we love God for his own sake, and that necessarily will be fruitful in a true love of self. So great point, great question there, Phil. Another comment came in from Austin from Rochester, Minnesota. When making the sign of the cross, you're crossing the love that exists between the Father and the Son. Amen to that. Yeah, because the cross and the Holy Spirit go together with the precious blood and the gift of the Father and the Son. So thank you for sharing that, Austin, from Rochester and the sign of the cross. So we're nearing the end now of our real presence straight talk. And I think for all who made comments or gave questions here through the call-in and also through Facebook. I ask you to stay present here with us. We have another hour of a great Real Presence Live. You're with Father Randall Kazel from the Church of St. Michael in Pine Island, Minnesota. We'll be right back after this break. Mm -hmm. 